0: Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello listeners and welcome to Left foot. Today our guest is Paige Zandry, the attorney network Director at Peori Legal. Peori Legal is a curated legal marketplace that connects high- quality lawyers with emerging growth companies, small businesses and startups. Before joining Peori, Paige was a solo practitioner in New York City and the co-chair of the Solo and Small Firm Practice Committee at the New York County Lawyers Association. Hello,
1: Paige, and welcome to Left Foot. Hi, Nicole. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Paige, I've given our listeners some insight into your role, into your background. Can you expand on what I said and give us a glimpse into who you are personally?
1: Yeah, great. So, um, as you mentioned, I'm the attorney uh, network director here at Priori, and um, we do connect uh, emerging growth companies, small businesses, and SMBs with our vetted network of lawyers. And really, my role is to help lawyers um, get involved in a network of very high-quality, well-experienced attorneys um, who have often gone out and built uh, or started their own solo or small firm practice after, you know, in many cases, being with a large firm or uh, you know, being with sort of a, a more uh, traditional style law firm business model. And and now what we do is we partner with our lawyers to help them develop, develop their practices and make connections with some of the real high quality, interesting clients that they're looking for. Um, prior to being with Priori, I've been here a little over a year now, but prior to that, I had my own solo practice in Manhattan. Um, I practiced matrimonial law for about three years, and I started out as a solo after working in not a large law firm model, but uh, I come from a a tax law and accounting background and worked in a large firm structure. And so um, I understand very well what it's like to sort of take the plunge and uh, go out on your own and and start to build your own book of business from from scratch. Personally, I am an athlete at heart. I have uh, an athletic background in in college and and well beyond that most of my life. And i like to sort of continue that throughout um, my professional career. Uh, I'm very active uh, with uh, my co- my colleagues at Priori, and we make sure that we are um, doing events together outside of outside of the office and with my family, um, making sure that I have sort of the work life balance that I'm looking for. and um, And apart from that, I also chair the solo and small firm practice committee at the New York County Lawyers Association, which helps me sort of stay current with many of sort of the challenges that uh, my colleagues are facing and, and create sort of a very collegiate environment for all of us to to make sure that we're doing well professionally and also personally.
0: Thank you for that. A real fantastic introduction. You know, it really leads into our first formal question. You know, we ask all of our guests if they have personal strengths or habits that they think have helped them to grow their business and continue to develop their business over time. Do you have personal strengths or habits you would reflect on?
1: Yeah, certainly I think one of the biggest habits that I've had to develop is, you know, being prepared. First, having the courage to start Something that you may not know anything about, um, and and practice. Uh, I I can't really emphasize enough how much you have to be willing to fail. I, I love the expression "fail forward," um, because it really does help you become prepared. And and part of how you do that is is being well researched on whatever you know project you're working on, whatever person you uh, have a meeting with um, that day or the the next day. Um, I think after you've done sort of the, the initial steps for preparing yourself and, and practicing whatever it is you are trying to accomplish, you can't really underestimate the power of of listening to the people that you're talking to and the people that you're working with. But listening to yourself and following um, your strengths, understanding your limits and. Um, And really trying to find a way to add value knowing what those strengths are. So, you know, I would say that that habit of of being prepared and understanding holistically what the external factors are and the objectives that you're trying to accomplish, but also internally what you what you what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are and how how you need to kind of hone in on on both of those things. Excellent. So let's chat a bit about the time when you were a
0: solo practitioner. It, you know, very different, right, than having coworkers and and people that you know were in the uh, mix with you. What? things did you do tactically maybe on a weekly basis or monthly basis? What things did you do tactically that really allowed you to continue to gain new clients, keep clients really go out and do the things necessary to, to
1: make sure that you were
0: growing your business?
1: I can tell you the one, the one trick that I share is logging notes um, however you do it, whether you carry around a notepad with you, whether you log them in your phone um, using some sort of application, or if you happen to, you know, be, be really tech savvy and and use sort of some sort of like CRM software, um, however you want to do it, I think logging notes on your meetings, your interactions with people, writing down names, remembering their names, remembering something personal that someone told you while you ha- were having a business meeting or even something business related that they told you um, really sets you apart from the pack when you're trying to get someone to remember who you are. You are able to review your notes before meeting with them again. Um, And and even I I advocate doing it once a week. Just go through the the previous five days, go through your notes and refresh your memory on what happened. Um, Because those are the small details that most people forget. And um, when you're the one who remembers them, it really makes a difference. Um, You know, people do remember how you made them feel. And you know, without getting too uh, touchy-feely or emotional about it, it's very simple to just you know drop a line and say, "Hey, you know, how did your daughter do on that uh, dance recital?" Or, or how was your trip to to Tahiti last summer? I remember that you said you were going. Sounds exciting. And and that person is going to be very impressed, and it builds that sort of interpersonal relationship that leads to trust, that leads to business development. Um, so that's been one. One tool that's been extremely helpful, and I think it's something that's very easy to do, and not a very often um, it's underutilized.
0: You know, I think that's a great point. It's something that. You know, when we talk about business development and things that came out of the past, there's a way to do that that's comfortable because I think people are generally interested. If someone told me they went to Tahiti or Bora Bora, of course, frankly, I want to know about their experience, right? I'm interested. So why not do that? And and you're right. It does show you care, it, you know, whether it's your personal desire to go to one of those places or just the fact that you care about the person and and really want to know, did they have a good time?
1: That's right, Nicole. I mean, just one last comment. You said it shows that you're interested. I mean, I think think that that is such an important thing. Um, People want to be around interesting, other interesting people. And Surprisingly, a way to become interesting, I think, is to show that you are interested and generally take the focus off of yourself and put it on the person that you're talking with. So I just wanted to add that.
0: It's a fantastic point. So let's talk strategically. So we we just talked about personal habits. We talked about tactical things, but you know you're sitting whether it's in your current role and doing planning with your partner, your business partners, or when you were a solo practitioner. Did you have a particular process that you went through maybe on a yearly basis where you talked about the coming year? Uh, You know, what was that strategic? What did that strategic process look like? And if you could also comment on if you did do that once a year, did you touch base and review what you had decided you were going to do on a periodic basis?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think actually a year is probably too long to be doing those things. We we like to do them and I personally like to do them about once a quarter. Um, and it is a 360 degree review. So, you know, you have to start somewhere. Um, so probably the first time you do it, you might just say, you know, what are my what am I hoping to accomplish? Where am I right now? And what do I want that to look like in three months, maybe six months? You know, it depends on probably the the. Your role and whatever it is, um, whatever stage you're in in the in the business development, but uh, we I do it every three months. You know wh- where was I three months ago and what did I want to accomplish? Did I do that? If I did that, that's great. Do I? And then I think about whether or not. I need to set similar goals for the next three months, or can I even try to aim a little higher? Um, Was it easy to accomplish my goals um, that I set out for myself three months ago? And then if I didn't reach those goals, I really have to dive into the details as to why. Um, And it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be because uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't try hard enough. Usually there's, if you, if you look around, um, if you, if you look around into what the circumstances were, you know, it's a, this is probably the most important and valuable process is to learn what worked and what didn't um, so that you can start to start to really make change and, Start eliminating some of the factors that might be hindering your growth. Um, that's actually the most interesting part: is is to kind of step out of yourself and say and look at look at the scenario as if it was someone else, maybe an employee that you're responsible for and that you're managing. And and look at what you've done, and say, you know, did that did that really work? Am I being honest about the results here? And what do I want to change about that? And and I think that it's important to do that more than once a year because these days, um, things happen so quickly that it, that if you wait a year to kind of give yourself this feedback loop, um, I think you probably could be missing a lot of opportunities. So um, so yeah, that I think that's certainly a very critical part of any growth strategy is to make sure that you have established certain milestones for yourself and that you have a way to, you know you have the kind of checks and balances in place you don't just set the milestones and then hope you make it and never you know check yourself and review and whether or not you did and make adjustments as you move forward because otherwise you're just going to you could just be you could be wildly successful but i think that's the rare circumstance i think and and often Uh, in more likely uh, cases, you might be spinning your wheels and, and, and wasting resources. So great, great
0: point. And definitely, you know, checking in more frequently becomes even more important, of course, today in in this fast-moving world where technology and and things are changing, but also specifically in the legal industry. I mean, a lot has happened since 2008 in this industry and in professional services generally. So, I'd love to get your uh, perspective on the market changes that have occurred since that period, really how your planning might have changed or, or what you did during that period, Uh, from a planning perspective, you know, what has been your experience as this market has adjusted?
1: You know, I I really look at it two ways. Um, The the one way that I'll just briefly go over, because I think it's a little less relevant for our topic today, but practice management has changed a lot. Um, Technology has, you you wouldn't, you, you really cannot even get your arms around all of the uh, tech companies that you'll see at the legal tech conferences, and and even just one major example is is e discovery. Um, it has really changed the way lawyers practice, um, litigators in particular, and. Mm-hmm. And in terms of practice management and even, you know, we always as lawyers have to be very, very conscious of uh, the ethics rules and the rules of professional conduct. And technology is really making lawyers very, very responsible for knowing how to use these tools, um, because we are now responsible for at the very least for being for showing competency and knowing how to use these technological um, resources, is now being factored into whether or not you are competent to practice as a lawyer, as compared to your peers. Uh, it is, it's very serious. I mean, lawyers are being uh, sanctioned for not for not understanding how to use these tools the right way. Um, so that's so that's one thing that I think is changing very rapidly. And, I, and we don't have a choice um, as to whether or not we we adopt these technologies. We have to in order to stay current. And you know, even if the rules of professional conduct didn't require us to do that, it's what the clients. Expect so you know and and at the end of the day it's it's about the clients, um but but more so about how lawyers practice um, in terms of the law firm business model. What we're finding is that the large over the traditional. Model of a large overhead and sort of runaway hourly fee legal bills is is just becoming a thing of the past. I mean, certainly there are companies and clients who will always—I say always—but I, I should probably not be so absolute. But who will who will very likely for a long time stay with kind of the white shoe law firms, the big brands, um, and and can afford to sort of you know, bear those legal fees that, that have embedded in them, the large law firm, large overhead model. But what we're finding is that, you know, the economy is changing. There's It's a sharing economy. Um, we have a lot of, you know, uh, the sm- small businesses are always driving growth and that hasn't changed. It's only, I think, become uh, emphasized in, 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 you know, the state of our economy now. Um, and what they're looking for is our lawyers who understand that utilizing technology to build your law practice is a way to keep overhead low and pass the savings on to the client. And so, you know, we see clients who are extremely aware that they, ha- they can get access to great lawyers, really outstanding lawyers at less than half the billable hour they would be paying, um, at a large white shoe firm. And, and, you know, I mentioned the sharing economy and, and really what's happening, what we're seeing is that, you know, lawyers are working in shared working workspaces. They're sharing administrative resources, um, Oftentimes, what you'll see is one or two attorneys going out on their own, perhaps forming a small partnership, and if they need to increase bandwidth, they'll hire contract lawyers on a freelance basis or or hire lawyers in an of-counsel capacity and build long-term relationships with them. Um, And the of-counsel lawyers, the freelance lawyers love that scenario because their their schedules are flexible they're often working out of their homes they can travel they can be remote they dial in to a, a Skype call or some sort of video conference if they need to have a meeting with a client and you know the the days of a of a huge law office with a three-story library are just are just no longer necessary and the clients don't want to pay for it so you know that's really the the major shift that we're seeing.
0: You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I've been reading, I do spend some of my off non left foot time doing, uh, involved in variable employment, uh, businesses. And I will say that I've quoted an article and I have to go find the article, uh, where it said that by 2030, most professionals will have more than one employment situation. They will not be in a full-time job. And I think it really allows us to be able to have flexibility, be able to still earn, do many things we enjoy. And of course, it makes sense for this kind of business in this industry. Um, And you know, if we can do it in a way that's economical for the clients, wow. Right? How fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was just starting my practice as a solo, the, the spotlight was shining on this realization that each one of us is our own small business. If, if we want to be, um, you know, and even now, if you, if you are working for a large organization, um, certainly there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you can still find a way to be your own small business within a large company and, and succeed and bring change and um, escalate your role and take on responsibility. I mean, I think we, are all, we all now have such access to resources to build our own personal brands. It's, it's very exciting. Very
0: exciting. I agree. So Paige, let's go a little, slightly different direction. I would uh, love for our listeners to hear from you a success story, a story where you were looking for a piece of business or to have a client uh, join your uh, book of clients or possibly a lawyer join Priori. And you know, what did that business development experience, what was it like? And if you could describe that in detail for our listeners so they can hear about, you know, how you went about acquiring that business.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I like to tell this story because it also, it, it highlights a, a success story, but not without sort of um, overcoming some challenges that we found along the way. And um, what happened was it, it, while I'm while I've been at Priori, when I started here, we were active in the New York market only, um, and since then we've expanded to New Jersey, Connecticut, California, and Texas. And so, what we've had to do is essentially um, sort of getting back to the review process is we had to really evaluate what worked in New York, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically with building our lawyer network. So, you know part of the value that we bring to our clients. And I think that we also bring to our lawyers is that our network is highly vetted. So each lawyer is in, is in good company, knowing that um, every lawyer has gone through the same vetting process and, and very, very quickly, you know, every lawyer fills out an application. Um, I meet with them personally to, to interview them. They have to have, they have to meet our minimum requirements of experience, malpractice insurance. And also, you know, we're looking for lawyers who are, who are tech savvy, innovative, flexible—all of these things. We check references, all of that. So anyhow, it's a—it's a very intensive um, process, and so we—we we were able to do that very well in New York, and we built a, a, a tremendously successful network. And in New Jersey and Connecticut, um, it wasn't too difficult because, you know, geographically we we're, we're close to these areas. A lot of our lawyers in our New York network are duly licensed, if not more than that in New York um, in, in one of those states. And so we were able to sort of organically utilize our network to, to make connections with lawyers um, close by. But when we were about to expand to California, we had to think, okay, what worked well and how do we duplicate that in another market? Um, so one of the things that, that I think we did very well is to understand that you have to really perfect a process, Um, before you can duplicate it somewhere else. And before you, and then even before you go after you perfect it and before you go forward, you have to understand what is different about the market that you are about to enter, if anything, than the one that you've, that you've been so successful in. And, um, we didn't have the uh, the good fortune of our own personal networks. I mean, our company is is co-founded by two lawyers, and we have many lawyers on staff, including myself. So we were able to really access our own professional networks in order to create awareness and meet excellent lawyers that want that were interested in joining the network. But we didn't have that advantage in California. So we we tried many different ways to. Sort of build our brand, our awareness and, and create awareness of our network in California. And I'll tell you, it was extremely challenging. Um, what we learned is that, you know, there is uh, an incentive for us to try and find efforts that are scalable so that when we want to expand to other markets, um, we have a process that can sort of, like I said, be duplicated. Um, but I, really our lawyers are our product I mean we are a tech company we do have a platform online and, and maybe our developers might get a little uh, testy with me when I tell them that it's our lawyer network that's the product because they work very hard on building a great tech solution but but that's how I feel about it and um, and so when we were trying to expand we were we were we had this sort of conflict between how to build a scalable process and how to also preserve sort of this very high touch experience that we had built in New York, and what we found is that um, you cannot you cannot sacrifice this high touch experience for you know something that's that's easily scalable because the two things are are sort of a contradiction of the other, um, and you have to find a way to to. Uh, to blend what's what's best about both processes and sort of create your own solution um so the success story is that when we when we after we tried many different ways to reach the best lawyers um in california we found that we really had to bring it in house and do our own internal resource research and reach out it to, to to a very sele- high highly selected group of lawyers in a way that they felt they knew that we had already you know learned about their background and understood who they were um, without having to have a face-to-face meeting. I mean, we did most of this remotely and we did spend some time in California to meet with the lawyers, um, but we used a lot of technology to try and sort of simulate the experience that we had in New York. And and after we had sort of, like I said, we had failed a couple of times um, by, by, you know, I admit probably focusing on some of the wrong aspects of how to grow your practice, we realized that, you know, the real value here is to build highly um, high value, high touch relationships. And, and I really think that in a service industry, you just can't get around that. When we expanded to Texas after California, we started with that approach. And I'll tell you, we cut down the timeframe that it took to build a great network, probably by us, you know, into a third of what it took in California, because we just understood that, you know, like I said, understand your strengths and weaknesses. And our strengths are the relationships we have with our lawyers. We just couldn't sacrifice that. You know, the success story is that we learned a lot from our first experience and we were successfully able to sort of transition that into a new market, um, cut down our cut down sort of our. Our cycle time for bringing lawyers into the network, and and um, and now we're we feel very well prepared to build our brand in other states, and we're expanding to Illinois now, and we're going to do New York and Pennsylvania in the next few months. So so we're feeling very well armed. So
0: Paige, I think it sounded like that trial and error process that you had in California allowed you to come up with a more concise profile for the types of attorneys you would go after or lawyers you would go after and which ones would meet your model or or probably even be more, more apt to want to join, right? And be part of your model.
1: You're absolutely right. Not only did we find, did we sort of narrowed the profile of attorneys who are the right fit, but we narrowed. Uh, the process and really trimmed the fat on how we go about finding those lawyers, focusing on what we believe are the strong, high value parts of the process. Again, the the trial and error, um, understanding who your targets are and, and, also understanding that you're not going to be going for everyone. Um, you know, we, we, we go through this on the lawyer side and on the client side. You, you can't be everything to everyone and you have to understand very, um, very well you know, who are you here for? Who are you here to add value to? And and it's difficult to turn opportunities away, but you have to check yourself again. You have to check yourself and ask yourself, why did I do this in the first place? You know, what is my mission? And it's not to say that that mission should be set in stone because you do have to adapt and pivot and be, and, and be able to sort of conform to things that you learn as you go through the process. But, you know, the the passion that's inside you that got you to where, got you to even take the first step forward, you know, you need to always sort of give yourself that check and say, am I doing what I, what I originally set out to do at, at the heart of all of this? Um, so that's a very sort of broad, uh, thing to say to your question, but, uh, but I think that it reigns true in, in everything that we're doing, um, as we're building businesses. Excellent. Well, thank you. I have to say, Paige, what you and your firm are doing,
0: I I think, is innovative. It's it's innovative in the sense that it's it's providing an option to clients seeking you know legal uh, advice. Are there other things, or, or do a Do you agree that it's innovative? And b You know, would you? What else would you say is truly innovative in your field that you would you know really say? you know, wow, I'm surprised or, you know, I see that as really being something that, you know, probably 10 years ago you didn't think would would be happening in your field.
1: Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, certainly I would agree that what we're doing is um, is forward thinking and, and we are trying to make it manageable for attorneys um, to adopt technology in their practices, to keep overhead low, to pass savings on to clients, um, to highlight transparency. And, you know, i I don't know if I would call it really innovative because I would think that, you know, If we're bringing about change, then and if that's how you define innovative, then then, yes, I would say so. But but we're certainly excited about being part of this uh, transition in the legal space and, you know, things that I have noticed in in the space that are really exciting is the fact that, you know, What was really concerning to me, especially when I practice, is that, you know, clients um, right now with with kind of the information age that we're in, clients have access to a lot of a lot of resources online to that kind of makes them feel empowered enough to sort of self-diagnose and self-treat their their legal issues. Um, much like we would if we had, you know, uh, um some sort of like skin rash on our arm and we would look up on WebMD, what is this? and go to the doctor and say, you know, this is what I have. Give me the give me the medicine for it. And the doctors are having their heads in their hands saying, Oh my gosh, what's happening here? Um so so that was something that was really concerning for me. And and now clients are are i think Kind of coming back to the middle of the pendulum um, and saying, you know, I'm willing to spend uh, a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars to have a lawyer look at this or to have a lawyer draft this for me because I know that I'm not going to get a ten thousand dollar bill. I know the lawyer, you know, the lawyer has quoted me a two thousand dollar flat rate and that's all I'm going to have to pay. So I'm going to be safe about it. I'm going to, you know, go the smart route, get a professional involved. um, And, and, all of these, let's call them innovations, all of these innovations, I think are restoring faith in our legal industry as a whole. That's what's most exciting to me is that we're, we're, I think we're redeeming ourselves by, by um, sort of embracing this transition.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic response. Great to hear that perspective. I appreciate it. Our listeners are Millennial, mobile, and global. What advice, Paige, would you give to them, uh, those uh, just starting out? What advice would you give to them specific to their careers and specific to developing a business for themselves, a, a group of clients?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, being millennial, mobile, and global, I think, gives you a lot of advantages because you're going to be able to reach clients a countless number of ways that some of our predecessors weren't able to that's an advantage a lot of what I did was of course you know when I when I started my practice I built a website I used uh, I hired, I hired an SEO expert to help me you know optimize my site I did all of those things sort of, tech wise. I, I had a, I created my first Twitter account. I had a Facebook page, um, you know, active on LinkedIn. I started publishing things on, on other people's blogs. Um, and all of those things are really important, but I will tell you the, the part of building my business that went the longest way was, was showing up. Um, I would get involved in community activities. I took leadership positions at bar associations, uh, committees. Um, I made sure that when I were, was present at these types of events um I got out of my comfort zone quite a bit and talked to people and you know really understood how I can help them um and made that my mission you know understand what people need and try uh, try to utilize your your resources your network um other people you know to be able to provide value and And it creates this um, kind of relay back and forth. People will in turn want to help you. And um, I find that, you know, you can do a lot from behind a computer screen or from your mobile, but um, there are limits to that. And you really have to show up.
0: Great advice, Paige. Fantastic way to end our formal questions. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit
1: www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot.